0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Week With the football team, we are back in the saddle, and I am just as excited today as I was walking out of the Cotton Bowl slash the State Fair. Uh, what an exciting win. We got to see it firsthand. The fair is always the best day of the year, and especially when you can walk out of there with a victory and have a nice box after the game and see the OU tiers loading up. There are vehicles and heading back north. What a wonderful day it was, Matt.
0: Definitely. Uh, I don't think any of us had the guts or anything else, the insanity to predict that in the morning when we were at the food court, but I will take it. It was a great feeling to see the team finally come together.
1: Yes, it was a complete complete win. Obviously, it's still – A work in progress, but there was definitely flashes of what we uh, see this team is slowly becoming and what it can be in the future. And I I think after the game, when when you see players hoist their coach up, uh, I mean, I think it left little doubt for any of the detractors that obviously these players have bought in and and they love their coach and they're going to play their guts out for him. So um, we're definitely going to revisit the OU game. We're going to talk to um, to Luke from Bring on the Cats, hopefully um, in just a minute, to preview K-State. Um, you know, several things I want to talk about the OU game. Um, there was some criticism from some media and, and different people that uh, was, was the um, celebration by Strong and the team excessive? Uh, I'm going to say now, no, it wasn't, because I found – uh, many a mini clip where OU fan in the past had it, it dumped um, Gatorade on Bob Stoops and put the put the golden hat on and done lots of things. So um, you know, I think it was just a, a more commentary from the haters. And obviously, um, one one it, it's our rival, it's a big game. They went in there and smashed them in the in the you know in the mouth. And then obviously the the kids were playing with a lot of emotion. They're, they just got their you know their asses handed to them up in Fort Worth. They lost two extremely excruciating, tough games uh, at home against Oklahoma State and Cal. I'm sure their emotions were high, and it just all came out at once. And you know what? Football is an emotional sport, not only for fans. It's emotional for coaches and players, and I had no issue with it. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit as well. Um, today, obviously, is a unique day. A lot of people may not know, but, Back to the Future Day, October 21st, 2015, was the big day on the DeLorean. Um, Back to the Future 2 was when they had the almanac and the sports betting and obviously all of the predictions, and ironically a lot of them came true. Uh, It would have been just classic if the Cubs could have got to the World Series and won it. That probably would have gone down um, as the greatest movie prediction ever considering Back to the Future and predicting that. But obviously, it looks like the Cubs' run is going to end. Um, but still, uh, a neat prediction. And the Cubs did have a magical season, so it does make um, Back to the Future um, um, trilogy that more um, interesting um, for those. And I'm actually uh, there's always been a big Back to the Future that um, I've got all of them on DVD, and I've watched them many, many times. I just think it's a it's a great. I mean, there's a lot of cordiness to it. But obviously it's 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 a good um good show. So I've got a I've got a unique um thing we're gonna do in a minute, Matt, um um on one of our lists tonight. We're gonna pick our top three sports events. If we could go back into DeLorean back in time and change the outcome. So now that you know that, you can be thinking about that. Obviously I've got my three and I tell you what, it was pretty darn tough. But um luckily um Luke is on the line. Um, Luke works and writes for uh, bring on the cats Uh, they're friends of the show Um, we know those guys real well they've been on the show many times Luke has not so I look forward to talking to him so without further ado Luke welcome to the Orange Report with Mike and Matt how's it going tonight sir hey pretty good how you doing well we're doing good we were just kind of reliving it was we took we took the bye week last week as well so we were kind of reliving and enjoying our OU win and talking about back to the future, and then obviously looking at the weather report, um, uh, me and my cohort here, we, uh, we, we we tailgate before the game with a, a big group, and uh, we're, we're looking at the weather forecast, and it looks like it's going to be uh, a, a rainy, wet day for us, so that's really mm-hmm. where I want to start. Uh, my question for you is obviously, uh, it, it's kind of ironic that, that Kansas State is having the quarterback issues they've had, obviously, with injuries. It seems like that's been an ongoing thing for us Texas fans. Um, obviously, I was reading some reports today, not only on your site, some other K-State sites. It looks like um, Hudner is going to be the guy unless it goes disastrous wrong. So, tell, yeah. tell our listeners a little bit, little bit about, about him. Obviously, he got pulled last week. It was a disaster. But what can we expect from him at the quarterback huh. position?
2: Well, yeah, he started the year as a second-string guy. and came in, and uh, you know, he, he's a guy who didn't hasn't hadn't started a football game since I think it was he was on the JV team in high school, and and then he came out and was, played the second game of the year. Well, I mean, he came in basically started the first game because Jesse Urich got hurt in the first snap. Uh, he's come in, you know, he's looked decent at times. Uh, he he can run the ball fairly well. He made some great throws in overtimes uh, to the Louisiana Tech, but then he's also just looked terrible at times. And last week, the, the best example, or, I mean, he was overthrowing wide open guys. And the, his accuracy, definitely not where the coaches wanted to be. Um, and, you know, with all the other injuries, like he like talked about, they can't run him too much because, you know, there's, there's not a lot of guys behind him. The, the the backup quarterback right now is underborn receiver, Cody Cook. So you'd rather not have to go there. Um, so I Kansas State fans just kinda of hoping that he doesn't make any big mistakes and you know can improve a little bit accuracy wise, make a few good throws but K State's best chance is gonna to be to establish the ground game. And actually, you know, we're we're looking at that weather report and thinking it's very good news if it's a wet game and a low-scoring game, that that would seem to favor Kansas State. Yeah, and that kind of leads into my second question. Obviously, uh, the Longhorn
1: defense got off to a slow start, struggled. Obviously, um, um, for lack of better terms, um, did not play very well up in Fort Worth against TCU. Um, You know, two weeks ago, it seemed to all come together against um, OU. Um, So, I mean, as as a Texas fan, we don't know what defense is going to show up. We don't know if the defense that played at Fort Worth or the one in the Cotton Bowl, so it could go either way but at least we saw some positivity. So, I mean, with the the weather forecast, um, how do you think K-State will will attack the UT defense? Um, I mean, do you think they're just going to come out there and try to pound the ball, or they are going to try to spread it
2: out and throw it? Well, I hate to try to predict what the K-State coaching staff is going to do because they've gone against logic, really, (laughs) kind of the last couple weeks at at times. Um, But you would hope that they would come out and try to run, it, especially if the weather's bad. Um, you know, I mean, last week it was really, it was so bad. The OU defensive coordinator after the game was saying, I, I can't believe they didn't run it more. <laughs> so I think that's really a bad thing when you hear that. So I'd like to, to think that, you know, Justin Tillman will get some care, get some more carries. Charles Jones is okay lately. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of options in the backfield. And the other thing, you know, with Huebner that I didn't even mention is, his receivers just aren't very good. It's tough to throw to guys when they're not getting open. So I I would hope they try to run a little bit, but at the same time, Texas probably knows that too, and they're going to throw it in the box. So it's kind of, you know, pick your poison. Go ahead and
1: jump in, Matt.
0: Well, I know, uh, you know, obviously injuries have been an issue for K-State quarterback, but I believe last week too, part of the problem was a bunch of injuries uh either going into the game or during the game so maybe what what are the status of some of the guys that uh that, that key maybe were key losses in the Oklahoma game and are they going to be back in time for for the game this weekend or or what's the situation uh, on the injury yeah that's I mean
2: that's a good question of course Bill Snyder is notorious for not really giving injury updates um I mean, daniel it, the biggest losses were in the secondary Daniel McDaniel couldn't play. Um, Morgan Burns was out. Um, you know, it, it's tough to say those guys will be back. Uh, Dante Barnett's been out all year. You know, I, th- I think the hopes of him coming back anytime soon are, are pretty much gone. Um, the big, a big loss last week was Elijah Lee, linebacker. You know, he's the most athletic guy probably on Kansas State's defense, and if he's not in, then I don't, I don't know who's going to stop Dylan Hurt. So. They're gonna need him back. I I don't know. There's a lot of injuries in that defense that are very problematic for sure. Well yeah, that kinda of, that
1: kinda of led to my, my my next question is obviously our, our offense looks a lot different this year than it you know did last year with swoops. Obviously we know we went up there. I mean, you know, it's well documented that you know, that we have not played well against Kansas State and K, K, K State always looks like a world champion. Uh, when, when they played us the last six or seven years, obviously you get twenty three zero. You know, pretty much dominated last year. Um, but we, uh, we're hoping with Hurd, it brings a, a new dimension to the game. What, what do you expect the defense to do, knowing oh, now, obviously, that you know Hurd could go eighty yards on any given play?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, again, like without Lee, it, it gets a lot tougher. Um, K- Caleb P- Pruitt is another guy who's out. He's the safety, so. A lot less athletic defense is, is going to be a problem against Hurd. Uh, case that, you know, obviously always plays that bend but don't break defense. Um, last week against Oklahoma, they just kind of ripped through it all the way down the field. They never they never really tightened up. So you would hope that maybe they can get some of those holes figured out. But with all the injuries, it, it's not going to be easy. And, and the offense has to give them some help, too, about moving the ball a little bit. Yeah, a kid I wanted to ask about, obviously, um, you know, if you're a
1: Texas fan and, and, you know, keep up with recruiting, we had a kid, you know, committed to us before he eventually signed with K-State. That's on um, Bryce English. Um, if he getting any playing time or is he looking at a redshirt year?
2: Uh, I honestly don't don't know. I haven't heard much about him, so I don't, I don't think he's played. I mean, least not much at all, but uh, I don't know a whole lot about him. Huh. Yeah,
1: I was I, I went back and I went back and watched some of y'all's games earlier in in the week, you know, found them online and um, I did not see him in there so I was wondering because you know he was a he he was committed mm-hmm. to us for a while and then eventually um, you know, different stories or whatever, you know, decided to part ways with the coaching change and this and that and um so I I was just curious about him because, you know, he uh, you know, with being kind of thin at the, at the defensive line, he's about a 315-pound kid. I figured he might be getting some playing time. But like I said, a couple games I saw, um, I didn't I didn't see him, um, you know, in their playing. So I was just curious. Let me ask you this. Things seems the, you know, since last week, uh, the rumors have really kind of started to, to, to get out of whatever. Do you, uh, What do you think the status of Bill uh, uh, of Snyder is? Do you think he'll um, – talent after this year, or you
2: think that's just all message board fodder? I mean, I think it's always possible, but I, I don't really take stock in any what anything what the message boards have said to this point. Um, I haven't seen it from any sort of legitimate source, and you know, I, I don't I don't know if Bill Snyder is really the type of guy who's gonna want to go out on a on a sour note if he thinks he can turn the program back around, you know, turn things around. Um, so I, I think it'd be more likely for him to, if case would had, had had a great season, which isn't going to happen now, but, but he would have gone out on top then. But I, honestly, I I don't take a whole lot of stock in those reports right now. Yeah, I mean
1: they've been kind of going on for yeah. for years and years, and you know I mean he yeah. just seems to yeah. always he always seems to to I guess catch his third, fourth, fifth win, and yeah, I can't seem you know going out mm-hmm. and then, yeah.
2: You know, and I mean, it's, it's so scary for Kansas State fans, just not not necessarily to be losing him, but to, to who would replace him, especially after the Ron Prince debacle. You know, is a, a big concern. And Ron Prince, all, all he could do was beat Texas. So. Yeah,
1: and did it quite well. Let me.
2: <laughs> hmm yeah. mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he really did. <laughs> Um, well, let me ask you. Let me just kind of change gears uh, with you a little bit from from K State, and we'll talk a little Big Twelve real quick. Um, I mean, obviously, sure. CCU and Baylor look to be the you know the the toast of the league. Um, how, how, you know, obviously, a Big Twelve team got left out last year. Um, how do you see it? You know, finishing up this year. Who do you think will win the Big Twelve? And if they do, do you think they'll be in the playoffs?
2: Yeah, honestly, I really really like Baylor right now. I know they haven't played anybody great, but they have just been decimating teams every single week. You know, you, you can't – there's not a single game where you can say, oh, they didn't quite win as big as they should have in that game. So, um, you know, that TCU game will be tough to get by. And with their strength of schedule, maybe if there's enough hundred defeated teams around, a one-loss Baylor wouldn't make it. But I think Baylor is going to be in pretty good shape. And t- TCU, I think they could make it with, with one loss if they could, you know, if they beat Baylor and maybe stumble somewhere else. But I don't know. Well, I'd like to think a Big 12 team will make it. but You know, there's some teams like like Memphis that are that are making it interesting this year, you know, some of those smaller conferences. So, hard to say right now. I guess that will just sort itself out in November like it always yeah, does. I mean,
1: I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on, on Baylor because, you know, yeah, their schedule's horrible, but, I mean, all, you, all they can do is, is – is you know, keep beating the teams in front of them, and I mean, not only are they are they beating them, um, they, you know, they're destroying them. So you know, the key is, will w- will there be a defense? You know, slow their offense down just enough to where you know you can uh, that you can stay in the game. So um, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Matt, you got anything else?
0: Yeah. Matt,
1: you got anything else? let go.
0: Now let's go. Let's go. Score predictions.
1: There you go. <laughs> I have no
0: idea what's going to happen. I need to hear what you guys are gonna say first. <laughs>
2: you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead, Luke. Okay. Uh I, I think K State's gonna rebound this week and the weather help I don't know if I can figure the win. I'll say twenty seven twenty one Texas. In case they'll get both football fall just short. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and give mine now
1: because I've been thinking about it all week. We normally do ours at the end of the show because we pick all the Big Twelve games, but I'll go ahead and, and, and mm-hmm. do mine. Um, and again, I don't know which Texas team is going is to show up, but the, the reason for my pick obviously is you said, Mitching, a linebacker may be out. You're missing some secondary. Uh, I think Hurd. Mm-hmm. I think Hurd is going to break some runs. He's the difference maker. Um, um, so I, I'm going to go 31-16 Texas.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, You know, what's interesting to, to me is, you know, obviously we're talking all year long that Texas needs to learn how to win. They did do that two weeks ago. I think it's a huge benefit that Texas had a bye week to settle down and get over the OU game and obviously K-State had the bad luck of drawing an OU team that was obviously – they played angry last week, which they didn't do for whatever reason in Dallas. So I, I'm, what I'm worried about is that a young team like Texas sees, you know, <clears throat> sees the K-State OU game and draws unfair conclusions from it because I totally think K-State can now, gonna now be that angry team uh, and they're going to definitely put up a fight. I think Texas can pull this out. Um, uh, when you look at our schedule down the road, I mean this is an absolute must-win game if they want to play a bowl game in December. Or, you know, so I think they'll find a way, but I think it's going to be close and pretty ugly given the weather. I'm going to say 23 to 16, Texas scores late.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think mean, we're all we're, we're all pretty close. Luke, um, I appreciate mm-hmm. you coming on at the last minute. Um, I know. Uh, I know you do it you're doing a podcast over there, um, for Bring On the Cats and, and do some different things. Um so um mm-hmm. tell our listeners if they wanna follow you on Twitter or listen to your podcast and where they can find you on Twitter and all those things.
2: Yeah, you just follow me, uh her and Alley. It's H E A R N Allie. Um that's uh, the one Twitter I have for the blog. Um that you can follow and then yeah, just check out our stuff and bring on the cats. Uh, like like you said, I do a weekly podcast. We really typically have a guest from each team come on, uh, and then I write some other random stuff for the blog.
1: Yeah, I listened to one of your uh, episodes, um, I guess from a week or so ago, and enjoyed it. So, hey man, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, tell all the guys over there, I appreciate them, and um, and I always tell them if any of them are um, are making the trip down in Austin to um, to hit me up, and they're more than welcome to come by and um, have a bloody mary with us for breakfast. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I need to get over there sometime. I do. I live in Shreveport, Louisiana now, so I'm a little bit closer. So yeah, to you know what? Over there I, at some point.
1: I, I I remember you telling me that, and I looked at your your, your profile. I was talking to you the other day. Um, that's one of my favorite places. Um, I love going up there to the horseshoe. So next time I'm, I'm up in Shreveport, I'll I'll, I'll give you a shout.
2: Um, yeah, actually, just today I talked with uh, Woodlawn's High School football coach. So he was, uh, coach Wilson was the coach of uh, Shiro Davis. Yeah. Uh, end, so. yeah see well, cool, is
1: that. Is he healthy? Well, cool, man. Um, yeah, I mean, he's playing some. I mean, we're rotating okay. um, several, you know, yeah. several players at defensive end. Honestly, he has shown mm-hmm. flashes of what we thought he could be, and then he just disappears mm-hmm. for plays on plays. So, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call him a, a plus player at this point. Now, has Strong been his coach for four years? I think, you know, I think Strong's getting all he can out of him. But I just think mm-hmm. he wasn't—he uh, wasn't pushed with the previous regime. Obviously, that's why they're not here anymore. Sure. So Sure. But hey, Luke, we appreciate it, man. I'll be in touch. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, thanks. Luke Thompson from BringOnTheCats.com. Go check out their site. Um, obviously, they do a lot of K-State stuff, but uh, they do a lot of college football writing. And obviously, Luke also. Um, covers, um, high school football in the, in the Shreveport area. and he's a writer there for one of the, um, local papers. So he's in the media and, and covers a lot of, um, high school stuff up there. So we appreciate him coming on at the last minute. I had somebody else and, um, it didn't work out. They ended up having to not be available. So he, he stepped up yesterday at the last minute. So I really, really appreciate that him, him working us in. Well, let's, uh, let's get back into recapping the, the OU win. Real quick, I just had a couple more points, and then we can put that one in the in the in the treasure chest and enjoy it for a year. Uh, but things that I saw that were very very positive uh, is I saw a team, even with a one in four record, uh, Matt, um, not give up. I mean, that's what I had said that week in the previous week. That's really what I'm judging now. If Strong is the is the right guy, will the team quit on Strong and the staff? And, and it was a resounding no. Not only did they not quit. Uh, they gave all they could. And even if we'd have lost the game, if I would have saw the effort that we saw, somehow OU would have put together a comeback, yeah, I would have been disappointed, but I would have loved the fight. So I give them an A-plus on that. Secondly, uh, uh, Cotter Williams, Vehe, um, the offensive line, uh, even Tristan Nicholson came in there and, and looked horrible at times. But there was a, on that one... Um, that last play to give us uh, heard a big run, uh, and then we were kneeling down. Uh, I rewatched that play about six times. The right tackle pulled, came up in the hole, and Tristan Nicholson, uh, the the Juco offensive lineman, 6'8", 300 pounds, absolutely destroyed a linebacker to open up that hole. Uh, and we saw a lot of that. The defense was just unbelievable. Kuna Ford, Ridgeway, Malik Jefferson, uh, uh, Peter Jenkins, uh, uh, just the entire defense was just flying to the football. Special teams were good. Deshaun Elliott, who had a big injury in the fall, had hurt his um, foot, hadn't played much. He got in there and caused that fumble to get us up 14-0. Again, another freshman stepping up, who is, I think Deshaun Elliott is going to be the starting safety probably by the end of the year. Um, just an outstanding effort by everybody. It was a well-called game by Norville. Uh, we saw what we could do in the run game, and we dominated. We never even really had to throw the ball. And what, what made it so great, and then I'll let you uh, make some points, is OU basically knew by the middle of the third quarter that we were not going to throw the ball. They brought another two men up, and we continued to smash them in the face. And this is what's interesting. We smashed them in 2013. Yeah, they won the game last year, but statistically, if you go back and watch that game, we don't turn the ball over. We win by two touchdowns again last year, and then this year a complete domination. So, uh, whatever hit um, factor that OU had with us for a while, it's over. These kids don't buy into it, and I can tell you right now, uh, OU's in trouble in the Cotton Bowl for for the next few years because um, we're, we're not we're, we're coming in there and, and, and we're handling business. So that's really all I've got to say about the OU game. So uh, Matt, you got any quick points on it?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, definitely echoing what you said. I mean, that team was angry from the first snap, and, you know, they showed it in every facet of the game, the defense, the offensive line, the attitude of the play calling, even, you know, a couple of late hits, which were, they weren't, you know, bonehead, you know, fight kind of plays. They were just people finishing blocks or laying hits on people, you know, a little bit after the whistle, which is going to happen in a rivalry game. Uh, you know, that first drive, Really sent a message, and it reminded me a lot of 2013, when uh, with Case McCoy at quarterback, we ran the ball straight down the field. We only settled for a field goal in that drive back in 13. But it was the same kind of feeling where it was like, oh my goodness, if that's going to be there all day, we got a really good shot at this game. Um, what I'd like to say is just you know a little bit about OU. I mean, obviously it was a great effort by Texas, but you have to wonder what the hell is going on at OU because they got smashed by us in 13 we put up a hell of a fight in 14. Both of those Texas teams were terrible. You know, the yeah. 15 team comes comes in at two and three or two or one and four, sorry. And yeah. it looked like OU was overlooking the Texas game, which I don't know how you can, you know, I remember when Makovic lost to the winless OU team in 96. And that's what I was certainly most upset about was how can you overlook your rival in the biggest game of the year of the regular season? It's inexcusable. And, to me, the telling uh play was on the swoops touchdown, which I think was the the one that put him up fourteen. nothing If you watch the replay, of course, the bang bang play about the fumble at the goal line, and Lorenzo Joe recovered it in the corner. But I think it's number forty for Oklahoma just stops the ball the yeah. ball is loose, and in in normally Oklahoma the thing I always give them credit for under Stoops in this game is they are always finishing plays, and they're always in the right place at the right time. And that's basically all hustle. You know, sometimes it's good luck, but a lot of it is hustle. And that guy just didn't even make a move to the ball. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he figured it was a touchdown, whatever, but this is the Texas OU game. You go dive for that ball and at least try to make sure, if you don't get it, that Lorenzo Joe doesn't just bend over and pick it up like he's picking up trash in the parking lot. I mean, yeah. To me, that play, if I was an OU fan, would have driven me completely bananas. Um, And obviously, you know, the coaches got to them because that K-State game last week that I watched, that was a different Oklahoma team. And what I'm hoping for is as Texas gets better, uh, that we're due in at least the next one or two years where we finally get another game where both Texas and Oklahoma show up to this game. Uh, We haven't seen that in, you know, five, six years. It's always one team or the other, you know, just doesn't really bring it. Uh, and we're going to be in for something special when an angry Oklahoma and an angry Texas finally play together.
1: Yeah. I mean, the last several years, I mean, it looks like they've lost that edge and I mean, I hate to, I hate to even say this, but they look like a the, the Mac Brown team coming in there and, and we look like a Bob Stoops type mean and angry. I mean, we got a couple of 15 yard penalties, which I really didn't mind. We, we pushed some guys, we ripped the face and mask off. I mean we were sending a message that uh, you know, it, it this ain't happening today, like they used to do. Like you said, they would they would go full speed and play with a chip on their shoulder and you just do not see that uh, anymore for for whatever reason. I, I, I don't know why, but you're you're right. It's very, very noticeable. So um um I hope it continues for OU. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> hey, and My just team, real quick OU. on the Just real quick on the Deshaun Elliott play, because, I mean, obviously, you know, in the stadium, you couldn't really appreciate until you saw the replay on TV how great of a play that was. And to think that that's a young guy that, I mean, that wasn't a fluke. He reached in there and poked that ball out. That's the kind of play a senior makes on special teams. So I was super excited to see that.
1: Yeah, I just. This freshman class, they 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 approach this football like a a, a whole different deal than we than we haven't seen in a while. Well, real quick, next thing on the agenda, Longhorn Network. Big tip off tonight. Kudos to all the students and people in Austin or whoever else filled up Gregory Gym. Three thousand one hundred and twenty nine people there for a, a an inter uh, team scrimmage, uh, which is awesome. Uh, but longhorn network, uh what the hell are you doing this is this is the reason you exist is to is to showcase these type of events exclusivity um you and you could have had cameras set up, you could have been interviewing smart, you could have interviewed the players I mean every basketball player in the in the country could have been watching it. What a great recruiting tool uh I'm actually pissed off about this, Matt. We're not using this network um uh, to best of the the ability that we could be using this thing. can you imagine? them showing up, having smart on there, even if they'll have strong. There are some football players, um, uh, you know, I mean, just really having a big two-hour, three-hour deal with this, which broadcasts all over DISH and all over, uh, you know, all over the country. Every basketball recruit, football recruit sees what's going on, the excitement and nothing. Are we serious? I mean, let's just shut the thing down. If this is not the type of event, we're going to have on it. It's basically a useless network. Let's shut it down. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I mean, you know, we there's obviously no issues broadcasting in Gregory Gym because they show all the home volleyball games there. So you would think that they uh, it's not a technical problem getting a getting camera crew in there and <clears throat> broadcasting. I, and, it, and obviously we've known about this thing for months. It's been... Advertised on social media over and over again, which I give UT credit for that. Uh, finally, doing something for basketball that they get the word out, and you saw the response. You know, three thousand plus people showed up, and there was a line around the corner, down the street, to the state, to the football stadium. But I agree with you. I mean, that's that's why that's why it exists. That's and and honestly, you know, it's the stuff like that. You know, the, how many alums, you know. Are, I'm not driving to Austin for that event on a freaking Wednesday, right? I mean, I have no opportunity to go see that. I would have been locked in watching if they were showing it live. And, you know, even, you know, sometimes the things are a little fluffy and maybe I only watch half of it, but it would be cool to at least see some of it, see what Kerwin Roach looks like and get people in the habit of basketball. I mean, you know, like I said, they did a good job getting the real, real live butts in seats, but... We still have a long way to go to keep uh, hyping up the basketball program. And honestly, you know, think about this, too. It's not just the Longhorn Network, but just UT in general. All those alums in Houston and Dallas and everywhere else, you know, they see something special on that pre-, you know, mid-season tip-off or whatever they want to call it. uh, You know, you throw the 1-800 number on there on the website to buy tickets, you're selling more tickets to the Irwin Center, which we all know is something we desperately need to do. So this would have been a great opportunity to, remind people what the schedule looks like and to come on down to Austin for a weekend and catch a few games. Yeah,
1: and I'm i uh, I'm I'm gonna do everything in my power to get down there for that Connecticut game on the 29th because uh, 'cause I'm on vacation that week. It's an eight PM game unless we're um and then I looked at and then I, I, I uh, my a wonderful Twitter follower who I've actually met at some football games now who has season basketball tickets are gonna be out of town and they got excellent tickets and was going to let me use their tickets so hopefully I can make the game. But then I was looking at the um, the, the Big Twelve Bowl tie-ins and seeing we could very well be playing in a bowl um, either. You know, and I know it's way early to even be talking about. We've got to string together some more wins, but uh, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay positive and confident that somehow we get to six wins. And you know, I don't know where a six and six or a seven and five you know Texas team would go. I mean, it could be hard at Dallas, could be Alamo Bowl. Um, Back at the Texas Bowl, I think there's one in Orlando, and then there's one in Phoenix, I think, somewhere. So, long way off to be talking about that, but um, unless we're at a bowl game, I'm going to be at the, the 29th um, uh, Connecticut basketball game, and maybe I'll be at a bowl game on the 27th, and then a basketball game on the 29th or something. That would be completely awesome. So, well, the <laughs> next thing I want to touch on real quick is we kind of talked about in the opening the celebration of the team strong. A lot of media people, different people talking heads thought it was over the top. You know, I didn't think so. Uh, I've seen Stoops get stuff dumped on him. I've seen OU fans, you know, celebrate a lot. Yes, you know, I guess the the narrative was, well, that's a lot of celebration for a 2-4 team. Well, we we did just beat our rival. Um, The kids played with emotion. Uh, I had no issue on it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But, again, it just goes back to the narrative, Um, um, you know, Right now we're not good. We're we're going to be the the butt of jokes. I mean, earlier today somebody tweeted something about Texas Tech's quarterback that the, that their his father, I guess Mahone's father, said that he was recruited as a safety. And like like everybody said, well, we had already had Hurd committed in that class. So I mean, you know, Hurd was our guy. So again, we can't take 35. I mean, my God, are we the only only team that has not offered other people? I mean. I mean, we're, are we supposed to take forty-five quarterbacks in every class? That narrative is just so stupid. So, uh, again, uh, Big Mike's got his list going, and, and when this thing gets to twelve and zero or eleven and one, uh, I'm going to be a great follow on Twitter because I've got a list of people I'm going. I'll probably get blocked ten thousand times, but boy, it's going to be glorious. So, uh, I don't know if you have any comments on on our thoughts on the the celebration or over-celebration of Strong getting lifted up or anything like that. I loved it. I know I'm a homer. I didn't care. Your thoughts, Matt?
0: I mean, honestly, you know, if the tables were turned, I would have been probably irritated by it, but it would have been only because I was irritated that my team just lost the game and, you know, everything pretty much irritates you after that. I mean, the way I look at it is, I, you know, I, I think Bob Stoops obviously has been around this thing long enough. You know, you obviously want to shake hands, uh, you know, after the game. And, you know, Charlie kind of just got – the players really just kind of swept him up in it. Um, and, honestly, I think it goes back to, you know, there's a lot of things. You know, at 1-5, lost to OU, 1-5, the season is over. There is no way yeah. you're going – you're turning around from losing to OU and then somehow running the table or going 5-1. and one if we had lost and they, they knew how big that game was and they knew what they had been through. And I think they're a young team. It's just like I said before, they're learning how to win. Well, they learned how to win and now they need to learn a little bit, you know, maybe the time, the timing of it. I, I have no problem with the throwing them up in, in the air on the field. I mean, th- that's an annual tradition, you know, OU poses for pictures and you know, all this kind of stuff when they win. And that's part of the tradition of the game. And that's what players are hoping to do at the end of the game you know, in the future, maybe, uh, you know, hopefully we'll win enough games where it won't be, it won't require that big of a deal uh, right away. But I think it goes back to the way the players approach this game. I mean, I really felt like their switch was turned all the way up to 10 and they didn't know how to turn it down. And even when the game was over, they were still, I mean, honestly, that was one of the most kind of from top to bottom, like just straight up emotional, emotionally played football games. I've seen Texas play in a long time. So that doesn't surprise me either, you know, that they just they didn't know how to tone it down, and they probably kept that celebration going well into midweek, <laughs> which is why I'm glad that they had a bye week to kind of get back to earth and, you know, start working on K-State. Yeah, and, I mean, after he was let down, he did eventually
1: find Bob Stoops. They shook hands, and, and and I can tell you, uh, if you just listen to, to Bob be you know, before the game, his press conferences, press conference after the game, uh, you know, obviously they both have Florida ties. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt that 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 Strong is, is highly respected by Bob Suits. Bob Suits knows what kind of coach he is, what kind of toughness he demands um, from his players. You know, um, so I mean, obviously there's a there's a high regard of mutual respect there. So that's yeah. really you know all we're gonna say on that. Next topic, top three things if we could load up into Delorean and go back in the future and change i'll give I'll do mine and I tell you what when I started thinking about this today, it became harder and harder uh, but obviously i mean, i and there's really no order I'm gonna go one, two three, you could easily three could be one or whatever so I'm just going to go there so really one is not one it's just you know uh I think you could reverse them but obviously for me, I would go back to um about two or three weeks after we beat USC and pop bitch Young in the head and have him come back his senior year uh, so we could um, obviously run the table and have back-to-back um, national championships. So that's definitely in my top three there. I would go back to take the DeLorean back to there. The second one uh, has been kind of tough. I've thought about going back um, to the to the mid-90s and, and 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 not high, and not getting uh, Makovic hired and, and going a different route there, you know, and saving a whole decade, McLean. I mean, there's lots of little things like that I thought about. I would say and different things enduring all that, you know, because that was a that was a miserable time for for Texas sports fans. I can assure you, it, it was just brutal. But I, but I said, well, I don't want to do that. I'll, I'll narrow it into specific events. So what I did is I went back and. And, and, I, and I had to bring up basketball because that, the tip-off um, thing tonight. I'd go back and and, and Syracuse and um, Carmel Anthony would brick their last seven shots, and T.J. Ford and them would get to the championship and win the damn thing. So that's my second one. I'd go back and help T.J. Ford's team win the um, national championship in basketball. The third one, the third one, even got a little harder because man, I was all over. But then I really thought about it, it became really easy when I thought about it. Um and it's actually I would have to go back in time twice. So if I either went back in two thousand nine or two thousand eight, I'd go back in two thousand eight and Blake Gideon holds on to that ball every single time because I'm gonna be standing there right beside him. Uh and then obviously we go on and we go on and beat Florida. Uh, in the national championship, but then I thought, well, 2009. So I've really got a 3A, 3B. 2009. Colt McCoy does not get hurt against Alabama. So that's that's my that's my back to the future deals. If I could go back in UT sports history and change anything, and of course, I, people say I left out baseball. Uh, I would, if I, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm go. I could go on and on. It's hard when you get to three, but obviously, I would go back. Um, Against that, when we lost to LSU, I'd go back and redo that whole damn inning as well. So, I mean, I could go back and lots the games, but those are ones that just still hurt me today. Matt, your turn.
0: Yeah, you've got some good ones there. I love the Vince Young one. I think you would uh, show him newspaper clippings from what happens to him in the, in Tennessee and say, dude, wouldn't you like to just yeah. stay another year and maybe somebody else will draft you in, in 2006, 2007. Yeah. Uh, yeah, i got to say um, – yeah, I'm 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 with you on two of the three. I'm trying to think of the third one, but it's interesting because I think on these two both, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say I would uh you know, change the outcome, but I would be interested to see what the outcome would have been. And number one is obviously uh I, I wouldn't I wouldn't make sure Gideon catches the ball, but I would uh shine a laser pointer or something in Michael Crabtree's eyes right as he's trying to catch that ball at the very end of the game and, and call and cause yeah. a drop there or uh, tell our safeties to freaking protect the the end zone there and not go for the ball. But um, that would probably be number one. (sighs) Number two, I mean, yeah, I think that's what every Texas fan, you know, is just what if Colt doesn't get hurt? I mean, I know there's people that say, Oh, we absolutely win that game. Well, you don't know that for sure, but I'd love to find out, you know, I feel, I think all Texas fans would feel a lot better about that game if, Heck, even if we lose thirty to thirteen with Colt, and you go well, you tip your cap and you say Alabama is obviously the national champs. They kicked our ass. Uh, man, I'm trying to think of a third one for Texas. I mean, I would say the '91 Cotton Bowl, but I don't think any kind of time travel would change what Miami did to Texas at the end of the 1990 yeah. season. Was, I definitely don't one, want to relive it.
1: <laughs> no, that was that one was right up there with me too. I I, I mean it was tough when I really started breaking them down, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I I guess I could go. I mean, if we're limiting it to UT sports,
2: ah, man,
0: I I'm trying to. Oh, uh, you know, let me think about this. Uh, I would definitely go back. Well, it's another one, another uh, painful memory for us all. I would go back to the uh, 2001 Big 12 Championship Games, and uh, I'd have a, <laughs> I'd have a little pregame pep talk with Chris Sims and tell them not throw the ball into double coverage and to watch those linebackers. I think that would probably be and it's another one where, you know, who knows what happens uh if we win that game. Now, of course, we play we would have, if we made the national championship, we play Miami, who might have been the best team, you know, first, you know, at least on a short list the best team in the last 20 years, so it may not have mattered, but I think if we could eliminate those three painful nights, uh we'd all have a lot lower blood pressure.
1: Yeah, and I guess I'll throw in one. If I could go back in the future, I guess on any any sports teams I, I, I cover, um, obviously I would go back and, 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 and the, um, the 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 Oilers wouldn't allow a comeback against the Buffalo Bills like they did. There, that man. one is that one that one is still um, very very um, painful. And then you know people say, well, you know, Astros, what would I go back and do there? Obviously losing to the Chicago White Sox was painful, but I tell you what, the work, the most painful one, I don't remember the year. I don't know if it was 86 or 81. It was my freshman or, or senior year in high school when Nolan Ryan was pitching. We had a 5 or 6-2 lead, and the Phillies came. back. It was a debacle. It was terrible. It was just as bad as the Royals game. Um, so I'd go back and change that game on professional sports, and I'm sure you've got at least one or two for a, for a Cowboys game. I'm sure you'd go back and change.
0: Oh, absolutely. I would uh I would get the uh, NFL replay officials to pull their heads out of their rear ends and count that Des Bryant catch as a catch. And then I think that uh I'd go back to the last day of the 93 baseball season and I would not let the uh Dodgers beat the I think they played the Oh no, I'm sorry, the Braves beat the freaking yeah. Rockies and kept my 103 win- game-winning Giants out of the postseason. So Think that would those would be the two uh, outside of Texas that would be first in line to change.
1: All right, that's fun. That's good stuff. Too bad we really can't do that. Boy, it'd be a lot more. Uh, you could be a lot more fun. Oh, 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 Biff. Oh, Biff had the had the world in his hand with that almanac, didn't he? He was living. He was living large for <laughs> a little bit. If I could, if I could just get the almanac for about a week, I think I could do the big time. The big time damage <laughs> for sure especially on these picks I'm getting ready to make. Let's make a few picks here. All right. Hat 12, California, Cal Bears um, lost their first game um, against UCLA. UCLA looks like to be a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, UCLA is real I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think Cal rebounds. I think it's going to be like 41-38 California.
0: Yeah, it's funny you led with this one because I was looking at the lines and thinking about these teams. You know, we saw Cal in person, great quarterback. Uh, UCLA, I watched against Stanford. They, they are not a tough football team. Now, unfortunately, no. Cal can't exploit UCLA like Stanford did with the smash-mouth football, but I'm going to give the edge to Cal just because although UCLA's freshman quarterback is good, he's still going through growing pains, uh, so I think this is... If you've got a true top-ten draft pick quarterback under center, you need to win this game. Uh, So I'm going to say Cal 40 to 34.
1: All right, next one is another um, big-time Pac-12 matchup. Undefeated Utah at Southern Cal. Obviously, everybody knows what's going on with Southern Cal. Sarkeeson is out, interim coach. They're in turmoil. Seems like Southern Cal, I mean, with the recruiting violations, I mean, the last seven, eight, nine years have just been a disaster for – Southern Cal, Um, Utah is is seriously looking at an undefeated season. This may be their last, um, I mean, real obstacle. Um, You know, I think they know that. I think they're going to come out ready to play. Obviously, USC played hard last week. Uh, I think they come back down to earth a little bit this week. I'm going to go with Utah. Actually, Cal is a a three-and-a-half. Southern USC is a a three-and-a-half point favorite. I'm going to go with Utah outright. I think Utah is underrated. And they are a pretty solid team. I'm going to go
0: Utah, 31, Cal, 20. Yeah, I was really surprised when this line came out because, you know, USC doesn't really have the greatest home field advantage in the world. And I imagine Utah Utah fans going to invade uh, L.A. for this game since they're riding so high. And I'm surprised that when the line opened, it looks like it hasn't really moved. So that makes me nervous as well. Um, But, man, I... I think for USC, you know, they had a little dead cat bounce last week because they had the interim coach and they played their hearts out for their rival uh, Notre Dame. I think it's tough for them to come back and get right back up again and uh, and play well. I think Utah's defense. I I, you know maybe I'm poisoned by watching the USC Washington game, but Washington played really physical defense and USC had no answer for that. So I'm going to take Utah twenty-eight to twenty.
1: All right, the next one, SEC matchup, Tennessee, Alabama. Um, Alabama obviously uh, did what I expected last week. It got a little dicey there for a little bit, but um, it looks like um, the Aggies got some quarterback issues. Kyler just doesn't look like he – I mean, I know he's a true freshman. He'll probably develop, but – his size is what everybody talked about looks like it's gonna, you know, affect them, but we'll talk about the Aggies and Old Miss in a minute. But I think Alabama, big win on the road, they'll come back down a little bit this week. Tennessee's still young. Alabama's a fifteen and a half point favorite. I don't think they I don't think they dominate that much, but I am gonna go with Alabama. I'm gonna say thirty one twenty three, Alabama.
0: Yeah, I I don't know Tennessee all that well, but if I remember correctly, past defense is their issue. Uh and I'm still not sold on Alabama's quarterback play. I think that you sell out against Derrick Henry and just dare Coker to beat you, um, which I think Tennessee will do, especially after watching the A and M tape. Uh so I think they're I'm I'm with you. I think they're gonna keep it close. Uh I'll say thirty to twenty Alabama.
1: Aggies at Old Miss um, going up to the uh, Oxford, the Grove, Mississippi's a six point favorite. Aggies coming off a, a, a very physical, emotional game. Old Miss, basically, uh, I mean, Memphis just um, just ripped them a new one. I think Old Miss is playing at home. I think Aggies are going to be bruised up. I read today Old Miss is getting a couple starters back on defense. Um, I think Ole Miss is gonna play angry. I think A and M's good if, if I not believe I think this is an eleven o'clock kickoff. A and M's gonna come out slow. Uh I think Ole Miss rolls in this game. I'm going I think I think I'm gonna go 34-17 Ole Miss. Yeah,
0: and talk about two teams that just did not impress last week. I had, We laughed about it on Twitter during the game, but I don't know what A&M was trying to do on defense against Alabama. It made no sense. You're right, Kyle Allen struggled. I mean, a lot of good quarterbacks struggle against Alabama, but uh, it just didn't look like it was clicking. Um, but Ole Miss, my God, they looked like a dumpster fire after the start of that game. Yep. They got up 14 nothing. I think, within, like, eight minutes of the game. And then, I don't know, I think they gave up 31 unanswered. But I'm with you. I think they'll come back really pissed off after that game. Uh, but I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. So, I'm going to take Ole Miss 30, A&M 27.
1: Iowa State at Baylor. I'm not going to talk about it much. Baylor's a 37-point favorite. Uh, Baylor 84, Iowa State 14. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: let's hope they uh, – Let's hope they run up and down the field and tire out Iowa State because they'll uh, catch them in a week. So, yeah, man, I'll tell you what. I do want to say something about Baylor. I'm not a fan, obviously, of Baylor, and I'm not not a fan of this style of football, but they are pretty damn good. I thought West Virginia actually was playing a pretty good game with them and just could not keep up. I mean, I think what Baylor's doing now is they've got, you know, they've always had the you know, good quarterback and maybe one really good receiver and maybe you could take him away and start making them work, but they've got receivers all over the place that are all really good. Uh and so I I don't see how Iowa State can even Paul Rhodes can't pull a miracle out. I'm gonna say sixty five to twenty one Baylor. Yeah. Next one is really,
1: actually, the game has probably got me intrigued the most this week because I just don't know. I mean, Tech has looked really good. They've looked really awful. Oklahoma, we've seen the best and worst of them. Texas Tech at Oklahoma, 12-point favorite for the Sooners. Actually, it's up to 14.5 on most sides, so we'll just call it 14. Um, I'm just not sold on Tech yet. I know a lot of people are with their quarterback and this and that. Um, I think the Oklahoma team that we saw uh, against Kansas State shows up. Um, they're playing at home again, 11 o'clock kickoff. I think Stoops will have them ready. I'm going to say Oklahoma 41, Texas Tech 30.
0: Yeah, I uh, stupidly took Tech to cover 31 at Kansas last week, and that team infuriated me watching them. I mean, I know that you teams now are probably getting into the habit of overlooking Kansas and sleepwalking, but – Uh. If they roll that game out against OU, they're going to lose fifty-five to nothing, like K-State did. Um, that I'm not impressed at all. So, I think OU will keep it going. Uh, I'm going to say forty-eight twenty-four Sooners. And then last
1: one, Ohio State eight o'clock ABC game um, against Rutgers. Um, I think they did, I think they decided JT was going to be the starter uh, for Ohio mm-hmm. State. Uh, Rutgers is reeling. Their coach is probably about to get fired. 21-point favorite. I think this is the week we we'll finally see Ohio State put it all together. I think Ohio State rolls in this game. I'm going to say Ohio State 48, Rutgers 7.
0: So there's always a week like this every year where where everybody says the schedule sucks for mid-October and why aren't there better games, and then it turns into a bloodbath where there's all kinds of insane upsets, but it's not going to be here. <laughs> Yeah, Ohio State is gonna roll. It's gonna be thirty to seven Buckeyes.
1: All right. Let's do our, our let me get my other page. I accidentally just closed the dead gun tab. I hate when I do that. Our top four as we see it from last week and this week and uh man, this is getting actually harder and harder. I think I looked today, I think ten or twelve of the of the of the top twenty five are still undefeated. Um it's it's just getting um, harder. There's gonna be some sad and of course we know it's all gonna shape out, um, uh, but there's gonna be some sad people um left out um, um this year, I have a feeling. Um I'm just glad we're not gonna be one of them. We're not gonna be in that conversation at this point. But uh I think I think we're gonna get closer to a to an eighteen um quicker than uh, than we think we will. But obviously Ohio State is still in my top four. Again, I'm, I don't like Baylor's schedule, but in, I mean, as long as they continue to destroy people, uh, you've got to put them in there. I think so. They're they're in my top four. Um, this is where it gets real interesting. Um, uh, LSU. Um, I mean, let's give Florida credit. Uh, Florida is a better team than everybody thought. Uh, Michael Wayne is doing an outstanding job there. Same players, much champ had. Coaching matters, folks. Um, but I got LSU uh, in my top four at number um, at number three. I guess if you want to say. Uh, boy, Michigan State seven and oh. Man, Michigan. Boy, we didn't even talk about that debacle that was. Um, <laughs> you got Alabama six and one. I mean, big win. I mean, you know, went on the road. Utah six and oh, You got Florida State still undefeated. Oklahoma State. You got Iowa seven and I mean, you know, of course, a lot of these teams play each other. But I'm going to do something different. I am going to go and put Utah in my top four. I'm just getting more and more impressed with them. Um, So that's my top four, Ohio State, Baylor, LSU, and Utah this week. Because I don't think, even though Michigan State is 7-0, I want them to be, I want to see them beat Ohio State or Iowa now because that should have been a loss. Yeah, they won, but let's get real. So your top four.
0: Yeah, before I go into mine, I just uh, I unfortunately don't know the person's name. Maybe I'll hear it again on another Sunday drive back from Austin. But there's an ESPN radio guy that does Sunday kind of recap, and then he gives his top four, kind of like what we do. And uh, I don't know. I guess it was after the uh, Cal game. He had Michigan State and Stanford in his top four, and I thought this guy is a moron. Like, what the hell? Are they yeah. give this guy airtime. Then I watched Stanford, and you know what? There is a definite scenario where Utah and Stanford make it to the Pac-12 championship, and that's basically a playoff play-in game. Uh, And I think that's what we're headed for in a lot of these conference championships. Uh, So I'll I'll get into that in a second. Right now I put – I hate to say this, but I put Baylor number one. Um, Uh I I think that just what they're doing right now – now I I don't know the status of their D-tackle billings. Uh, who is far and away better than Oakman. Um, But if if he gets hurt for a significant amount of time, that's going to really cripple Baylor's defense. But right now they're the best team I've seen top to bottom. I think everybody's flawed. So even though they've still got some weaknesses on defense, I'm going to put them number one. Uh, I'm going to keep Ohio State in there. They just keep winning. They were the best team coming in on paper, and they haven't done anything to change that. So I've got them number two. Uh, I'm going to put Alabama number three because I think that Alabama, uh, you know, they've, they've got the LSU game coming up. They've got a loss, but there's definitely a scenario where they win out. If they beat LSU uh, and obviously take the top spot in the West and then beat, say, Florida in the SEC championship game, uh, they're going to be obviously in there. And then I'm going to put Stanford number four like my boy on ESPN radio, which I can't believe I'm saying that after week one, but I love the way they play football. Uh, and so what that draws up is an interesting, obviously it may not happen this way, but if it does, you have Baylor potentially having to go through Stanford and Alabama in back-to-back weeks to win the national championship, which to me, as a, as a flag-waving Baylor hater, if they can use that style of offense and beat two smash-mouth football teams then they are by far uh, deserving of of all the credit in the world. So we'll see if it shakes out like that. I'm sure I probably got zero of the four right, but that's where I'm going for now.
1: Yeah, you know what? I actually heard that same that uh, the same radio guy, and I thought this guy's nuts. But you know what? Uh, you know, it's looking more and more like that that, that you know Stanford loss was just I'm having a bad day, and I and I think there's a, a very good chance they could run the table. Eleven and one, and then win the Pac-12 um, and be twelve and one, and get a playoff spot. I mean, it's it's going to be fun here in about three or four weeks on on some of the scenarios. And man, I, I tell you what, this this having these playoffs is just, is, I mean, it's exciting. And um, like I said, hope it gets us one step closer to a to a top eight. Um,
0: but, and there's going to be some you, good
1: if, teams left out.
0: Yeah, if you look at it, I mean, obviously there's a long way to go, but you you start thinking about where people are right now. So you've got. Baylor-TCU at the end of the year. Obviously, we don't have a Big 12 championship game. I know Baylor has another game against us the next week. But for all intents and purposes, that could be a, a playoff play-in game. If I don't think TCU is going to hang around that long. But if they do, uh, you've got two undefeated teams playing there. You have possibly Stanford-Utah. Winner there would have a huge claim to, uh, to a uh, – uh trip to the Final Four, and then, you know, whatever. I still don't even know how the stupid Big Ten shakes out, but I think uh, uh, Michigan State is in Ohio State's division, so the winner of that game potentially plays Iowa. You know, that would potentially be another play-in game. And then the ACC as well, you got Florida State, Clemson are going to play uh, at some point. So, yep. you know, yeah, this will get a little bit easier, but what it means is we've got some awesome weekends of college football coming up in the next month.
1: Yeah, Clemson and Florida gonna play. Iowa looks like they've got a uh, you know, looking at their schedule right now, they look like they've got a if they just continue to to handle their business, they they're they're headed to the um I mean they've got Maryland coming up, that's a win. At Indiana, Minnesota at home, Purdue, and then Nebraska. I mean they're they're Iowa's probably going to defeated unless they just do something completely stupid.
0: I mean can't, I did not know. expect you to say that sentence this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're I mean they're playing Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, and Nebraska. I mean, every, every team they have left, I'm willing to bet every one of those teams has a losing record right now. So mm-hmm. they're going to be the favorite in every game. So unless they just um, go brain dead, they're going to go undefeated. Now, does that mean that they're worthy? I don't know. That schedule's pretty weak. But all, all you can do is beat the teams on your schedule.
0: And well, yeah, and the do. thing is, you've got a you've got a Ohio State or Michigan State waiting for you on the other end. So if you Go through a crappy regular season, but then draw you know a top four team in the play in the uh, big Big Ten championship and win it. Now all of a sudden you make a pretty compelling argument. I, I mean, basically Iowa fan would say, what What else can we do? We won every single game and we beat a top four team. <laughs> what do you want?
1: Well, yeah, and, and the way it's shaping up, like you said, the the, the Pac Championship game, the Big Championship game, and and, and potentially the. The, the ACC, they're all shaping up that those championship games are basically another week of playoffs. The winner of those teams mm-hmm. are going uh, of those games. So, I mean, we've got another week of playoffs. Like you said, we, the next month is going to be outstanding. So, with that said, um, Longhorn fans, we are out of time, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed y'all's bye week. I sure did. And uh, you know, it's an eleven o'clock kickoff. Be sure to get yourselves there. It's going to be wet. It's going to be nasty. But hey. That's football um, in in um, late October, early, early November. Let's get out there and support them. It ain't going to be cold. A little water's not going to hurt us. You know, put on your poncho and uh, let's get out there and support the Horns. Because, um, uh, like Matt said earlier, um, this game is 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 going to determine a, a big part if we're if we're getting an extra three weeks of practice and getting a bowl game um, in December. So, with that said, Matt, tell our listeners where they can find you.
0: Sure thing. You can find me on Twitter, at UT Tailgators All together, no spaces, no hyphens. Go buy yourself a $5 poncho, and you won't even know it's raining. So get out there, and let's have some fun Saturday.
1: Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at MB fan. We'll talk to everybody next week. Hopefully, we'll be three and four and getting ready for a Halloween special up there in Ames, Island. Like I said, hopefully, um, I, um, Iowa State will... Um, uh, be tired after running up and down the field chasing them Baylor Bears this week and we can get out of there and get back to five hundred um coming home against Kansas and then you're five and four going up to Morgantown and got a chance to get bowl eligible. So let's let's see how this um schedule shakes out and we can string together some wins. So with that said, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook 'em horns and we will see everybody next Wednesday at eight o'clock.